Good morning, Roxy Soxy. Good morning, Tantam. Or should I say good evening? And good night. night. <laughs> it is actually like a midnight over here. My husband's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I am working, my friend. This is what it takes to be successful. <laughs> I mean, how are we even awake now? We're usually in bed at this time. It's We're eight kinda- o'clock your time? Like, what the hell? What time do you go to bed? I have turned over a new leaf. Let me tell you something. There's something about going to bed at 9 p.m. You didn't just do that to get rid of your husband. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm like, bye-bye, David. Yeah, you're like, um, mommy's getting some beauty sleep. And then you're up yeah. to like two o'clock watching like, <laughs> like Netflix on my phone. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> and he's like, hey, darling, do you want a little bit of sexy time? And you're like, just <laughs> 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 pretending. Like, I know busy. you, Jim. <laughs> you yeah. know, you know how I roll. <laughs> I know. It's so funny. My husband gets so tired. Mm. I don't know if I tell you that, told you this, but like, mm. He will literally be in the middle of a conversation with me and fall asleep oh. in the middle of it. I get what? so offended. I've actually stopped getting offended. But we would be like the other day, I was like, can I tell you something that like means a lot to me? And, you know, I, I was really thinking about the meaning of life. And, and then I turn over and he's like, oh, I'm like, like so <laughs> mad. And I'm like, well, F you not telling you about what the meaning of life is. You'll have to figure it out yourself. <laughs> I love it. I do remember the time you told me you guys were on a date in LA and he fell yeah. asleep at the bar. Like, as okay. but to be fair, to be fair, because people are like, divorce him. To be fair, we had just had a baby. We were six True. weeks in and we had not slept for six weeks. But I was also extremely sensitive because I thought like, you know, I obviously just had a baby and we're going to talk to our next guest about body image too, because I was just had such a self-loathing after I had that the baby in my body and I felt like no one loved me, especially my husband. And then he falls fucking asleep at the table. <laughs> so I'm like, of course you don't love me. I actually ran out of the restaurant, Roxy, and left him sleeping at the table. Did he come home, like, roll home at 3 a.m.? Like, No, I wanted him to. I, I was like a child. I went into the um, parking lot and I made him find me. <laughs> this is like, this is a bad dream. <laughs> he woke up. He didn't even know where he was. <laughs> He's like drooling on the bar. Like, yeah. <laughs> Poor guy. I know. Okay, I think we should stop with our stories because our next guest, I'm sure, <sighs> needs to explain so much more about life than we do. <laughs> I mean, she kind of knows what's up. I mean, she yes. is a powerhouse. You know, she yes. is a self-love influencer. We talk mm-hmm. a lot about self-love on this podcast mm-hmm. and the importance of it. And mm-hmm. she's just she's just so true to herself and her brand. Yeah. And when you look at her social media, you just, mm-hmm. I feel like so uplifted, you know, I feel like she's so truthful. She tells truth yeah. and like, she's and you so feel authentic. seen, right? Yes. You feel yes. seen and, and you safe, feel safe. Exactly. Because mm-hmm. you know that she is representing most women, like most, mm-hmm. like we all have, you know, we're all the same like this. Mm-hmm. And I just love that. She's so who she is, you know, and she's so right. honest about who she is. Right. So I, we are excited to welcome Denai Mercer to the Wee! show today. Woo! She lives in the yeah, Dubai, yeah, Dubai, right? right? Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, gosh, thank you. Yes, I, I live in Dubai. And thank you so much for having me. That was um, quite a beautiful introduction. So thank you. Oh, thank you. <laughs> we aim to please. Yes, yes, yes. We do. We do. So how is it in Dubai? Like, tell us what's what's the latest? What's going on? Are you guys yeah, COVID I mean, lockdown or are you? No, I Dubai, when COVID started, they went really intense. Like for six mm-hmm. weeks, we had to have a permit to leave the house. It mm-hmm. was really, it was pretty uh, strong. 
But now they have the second highest rate of vaccination of anywhere else in the world. Israel's oh. first, Dubai's second. So it's, yeah. yeah, so they're, everything's pretty open. Like they're, they're really taking that proactive herd immunity process mm-hmm. very seriously. And I do feel that if, you know, I say this to you, Roxy, I feel mm. if, if we had just for a month not left the house <gasps> just for one month and like made sure that we had our groceries and yes, there's certain jobs that obviously have to go in like specific essential workers and doctors. But if we were very, very, very strict in those first month or two months, I feel like it would be completely different in the States right now. Yeah. I mean, I think if, yeah, for sure, especially that critical like point where it first started, you know, Mm -hmm. but I think things kind of got out of hand and, you know, it's, you know, one state does something different than the other and it's all in Mm -hmm. close proximity. So it's hard to keep it under control if not everybody's Mm -hmm. on the same page, you know? Mm -hmm. Well, so tell us about your Instagram because I, you know, I remember I think you grew because, you know, people like me would find you on their, you know, for you pages and your your posts would go viral because they weren't necessarily what we were used to seeing on social media. Uh, your social media is very honest about body image, image and about, you know, taking that lid off the perfect social media photo mm-hmm. and the truth behind it. Um, and for someone like me who's had eating disorders and who's had distorted eating, who has had a lot of um, issues with self-loathing and body um, confidence, you know, when I saw your social media page, it made me uh, feel, like I said to Roxy, safe and seen, but also normal. You know, it also normalized bodies. And I think that's something that we need to start doing. And I think you're one of the pioneers to do that. Oh, well, thank you. Um, I, I guess my goal is to, to make women and girls feel safe and seen. Like, I think as someone who has like, like you, I've gone through my own eating disorder journey and just the way my life has been. I think there's so much of me that has really just wanted to, to feel seen and then not change, not like forced to be someone I'm not, but just but, but safe and seen. And so that's a, a really beautiful way of, of kind of describing what the goal is of my page. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Yeah. You know, it, I thought it was really interesting too, as I was looking at your photos, you know, I'm like, God, this girl is so brave. Like mm-hmm. you are so brave. And it's like, you're not, it, it almost feels like you really are not even, you don't give a shit about like what all this other, you know, stuff is like the, the filters and like, you know, you see other people's pages where you get, you know, you're, you almost feel like you're competing, you know, it make, they make you insecure. And like, so what, like, was there a point where you just said, like, did you ever a first start using filters and, and doing that whole thing? And was there a moment where you were like, okay, I'm giving this all up. Like, I'm not going to use these filters. Like, was there, what was there like a clear point of change for you in that way? Or were you always sort of not doing it? Yeah, sure. Well, I think, I think for me, like first, I don't feel very brave, if that makes Mm -hmm. sense. Like, I think when people meet me in real life, they expect this like really dominant personality who's like, heck yes, girl, like you do this. And that's, that's not me. Like I'm that kind of awkward girl in the corner with a book, you know, (laughs) that's always, that's always been me. But I, I think the stuff I talk about on my Instagram, I reached a point where I couldn't not talk about it. Like I started, when I started doing social media, it was more 
I guess your traditional like fitspo and luxury travel and that sort of stuff. And, you know, I was working as an editor in the region at the time, first for a luxury travel publication and then as editor of Women's Health Middle East. And I guess my my social media was what I thought I should be doing. It wasn't it wasn't really me. Like I I felt very disconnected. I felt very like I was just doing what I thought I had to. And then I think I just reached a point in April 2019 where I had really, I'd taken a photo, some photos on the beach and you could see my cellulite on my bum. And this was something like deep in myself. I was so incredibly ashamed of Mm -hmm. and embarrassed by. And I think I just reached a point where I was like, I'm tired of feeling shame around my body. I'm tired Mm -hmm. of hiding myself. I just, Mm -hmm. like you were saying, I, I just, I just want to be seen. And especially the region I'm based in that I I knew that I knew that being seen would impact my work. I knew being seen would, mm-hmm. you know, that just isn't done here, especially. But um, I did a I did my first kind of self love post mm-hmm. April 2019, and even as I was posting it, I was like messaging mm-hmm. one of my best friends. I was like, I'm so should I do this? This is really Mm -hmm. scary. Should I do this? I don't know if I can do this. And and she was like, yes, girl. Yes. She's a dominant personality. And, um, and yeah, I haven't, I haven't looked back, I guess. Wow. What I find it so crazy that normalizing bodies is such a thing. You know, my job is an actress first and foremost, and they cover you up in certain scenes, you know, or you ask to be covered up. I don't really know which came first. Um, If you feel like your body doesn't look the perfect way that it should on camera. You know, I was watching um, uh, Fire, Firefly, is that the one with, uh, with um, Catherine Heigl? Mm -hmm. And she had this sex scene and I don't know if it was her choice or the director's choice, but she was, she just had, she's got, you know, uh, one new new baby and two adopted children, three kids. And you could tell that she was hiding her hips or her stomach or her lower stomach. And they even shot her in a way that was more flattering. And like, when did it become the narrative that the only thing that was attractive or is attractive is this ide- ideal, beautiful, uh, scar-free, cellulite-free, smooth body? Like when... When did this begin? Why why have we now only shown a certain type of body that it's almost shocking to show the other, just like you did. You said, oh my goodness, I don't know if I want to show my body with cellulite because you were so afraid of showing people what a normal body is. And I, it's like when I go through your Instagram, I'm like, why, why is this? even something. Why do we even need to talk about it? Mm-hmm. But of course we do because we're living in la-la land, right? Mm. It's it's really interesting to hear you talk about how they shoot um, actors and actresses because it's that's something I think most of us don't realize, we don't think about. And that's, of course it happens. That's really, really fascinating to hear you say. And I, look, I think if you look at any time in history, 
forever. There have always been beauty ideals like that. Is, that's mm. human nature. We, mm. we go for what's beautiful and what's beautiful is always changing and constantly fluctuating. I think what's tricky now is with social media, it's not just some model or some actress that we see as beautiful. It is like the girl next door and the other one and the other one and the other one. And then mm. we look at ourselves in the mirror and we think, well, but what about, you know, why do I have this? And they don't, mm. why do I have this? And they don't. Mm -hmm. And that can be really difficult mentally. You know, you and who chooses what's beautiful, right? Who, sorry, who chooses what's beautiful? Mm -hmm. You know, I think I, <laughs> don't you think it's sort of like i mean a lot of times it is the men on top right it's like the men who sort of mm. control the media and control like what comes out and what we see and it gets it's still like a good old boys club a lot of the time mm -hmm. i think i think that's still very much an element but again mm -hmm. i do think social media is changing that too like if you look mm -hmm. if you look over at tiktok which is just this fascinating case study of human nature in real time, right? Like you have mm. trends that are tangibly emerging and changing and we can watch it. And it's driven by these teenagers who are on their phones. Things mm. like, you know, the side part is not cool now. It is the middle part. I heard part. that. And <laughs> yeah. I guess I'm, I'm using that emoji, by the way, the emoji with the tears, smile, laugh is not in. I'm like, um, I will not go that far. I might not do the side part, but I am doing that emoji. <laughs> yeah. Things like this, right? Or um, you could see that eye bags are becoming cooler. They're cooler now. And there was like a whole stage where makeup artists were deliberately drawing on eye bags or the freckles or the blush on the nose and on your cheeks instead of contour and highlighting. So I wouldn't say beauty is maybe traditionally it was very much top down, but now it's, I would say, way more complex than that. Like this real time interaction. Yeah. I yeah, think. I know. It, I'm wondering too, like for your social media, because, you know, you started out sort of doing what a lot of people were doing, which is kind of trying to put your best face forward and showing your highlight reel that when you did switch it up and you became much more honest and, you know, open about who you, who you are and like the way that all of our bodies really look, what was the reaction from your, from your audience? Was everybody supportive or what, what was that like? <laughs> Well, okay. So I think there were two reactions, mm. mainly. The the first was this beautiful community of people who popped out and were like, hey, I have that too. Or, oh, I didn't realize that girls who look like you mm -hmm. also look like me. Like, I, I didn't know that. Mm -hmm. And so there was this real beautiful, kind of strong female empowering community. And I would mm -hmm. say that's what's really, really grown and, and taken off. Mm -hmm. And then there were, I mean, even some of my best friends here like one of them told me the other day that for a while she she muted my account because she didn't want to see she didn't want to see that like she just she would prefer to see very traditional beauty and mm. i think there were there were quite a few people in my real life especially who were like mm, you shouldn't do this this is going to you're not going to get brand work and are you sure like you're not going to be invited to events and like do you really want people to see that about you you know it was navigating more of, which I think those comments came from a place of, of love, you know, and, and trying to protect me and making sure that I knew what I was, I guess, getting myself into. Mm -hmm. But I, I have no regrets. Mm. I just can't believe that we see people getting shot. Mm -hmm. We get, we see people in movies getting their heads chopped off. Mm -hmm. We see people being 
like having fights on all these websites mm-hmm. and yet you see cellulite and people are afraid to show that. I mean, how far off have we become as human beings? Like we're the most incredible species and like what what are like what are we doing you know and it's interesting that you you talked about this on your instagram and it happened to me too recently i put a picture of me as a 13 year old i was very overweight i was um 250 pounds when i was like 13 years old 14 years old and i put a picture of me in a bathtub and i was covering myself you couldn't see anything um and i was you could see my rolls and you could see you know my double chin And within 30 minutes, I would say that post was taken down. Um, There was no nudity at all. It was just under my arms. Mm -hmm. And someone said to me, and I didn't think about this at the time, they said, the reason it was taken down, I promise you, is because of your size. People would not have flagged it Mm. if you were like a, a younger girl Um, who looked really skinny and I was talking about an eating disorder, let's say like, oh, look at this picture of me. I had anorexia. People would probably say, oh, that's really sad. I'm so glad you, whatever they're going to say. But because I was an overweight girl and it was just something they didn't want to look at, that post was taken down within 30 minutes. And you said that your TikTok, um, on one of your posts, that your TikTok has been reported many times for violations. A lot of your videos have been taken down. And how you said the words, how do we change the conversation if we're not allowed to speak? Mm. And I think that is such an important message. How can we change people's opinions if you're not even, your body is not even allowed to be shown? And I, when that photo got taken down, I went down to the rabbit hole and I saw many girls with their vaginas hanging out. And I'm saying vaginas hanging out because there were like you could see everything, you know, Mm. their butts in the air, their legs, everything. And those accounts are still are still okay because Mm. no one is flagging them and they're flagging accounts like yours uh, more than mine. But when I posted that, they're flagging mine. Mm -hmm. And I just think enough is enough. That's, I'm so sorry that happened to you. I think there's, there's a real tension at the moment between these big platforms, which are our new media, right? Like this Mm -hmm. is where we go for news. This is where we go for conversations. So there's a real tension between these big platforms and how they police different bodies. And on Instagram, especially there's been a group of, of women, there's one named Curvy Naomi. There's some others who have really actively taken a stand against Instagram policing curvier bodies because they do, they, they do that at a far higher rate than they do mm-hmm. slimmer bodies. And then my experience over on TikTok is, yeah, it's my content keeps getting flagged and taken down because it, it's showing cellulite, it's showing stretch marks, and it is the most frustrating and upsetting thing because part of me, like, you know, I'm 34 years old. I have never been a dancer. Like TikTok is, we are not a natural fit, but it's, it, it is the, what I think it's the, um, the fastest growing platform in the world. It has, it's where all like the girls who maybe need to hear, like, I, I think of myself at 13, right. Or 14, 15, when I was going through puberty and maybe some of what I talk about now would have helped me. And we also know that as you're going through puberty, it's, it's, one of the highest times in your life for eating disorder development. So I really believe in talking about the things I talk about over on that platform. 
but my videos get taken down. And, and like you were saying, like, you just have to look at the bikini hashtag or the big bank hashtag. And you're like, Oh, okay. It's, it's not because I'm showing my bum because that's okay. But is it because my bum has dimples? Is that the, is that the issue here? actually truly shocking it's truly shocking you're right and it's not right because like you're saying you're cutting the conversation off and there are people you know wherever they may be that might need to hear this you know that Mm -hmm. might stop them from hurting themselves or hurting somebody else you know and it it just it's really important to have that that free-flowing um conversation but i wanted to take it back a little bit too because you're very open and honest on your social media Mm -hmm. about having an eating disorder um, so, and I know Tamin and I talk about this too on the show a lot because Tamin, um, as she mentioned before, had an eating disorder. I definitely had disordered eating growing up. I would say 90% of my friends had some form of, you know, disordered eating or eating disorder or something. Um, so can you kind of just take us through that, like what that was like for you and how you sort yeah. of got through it? Yeah. Yeah, sure. So, I mean, I guess, like I mentioned about being 13, I've always been aware of my body. And I think Mm. it's always been a bit of a a coping mechanism for me. We moved a lot. I I had a pretty unstable childhood and my my mom started getting sick when I was 13. Mm. And then she was sick for the next six years before she finally passed away. Mm. So after her death is where I started to just really control my food. Mm. And, you know, it started with like, I think Atkins was really big at the time. So I was like, okay, well, carbs are bad, but Mm -hmm. then, oh, sugar is bad. So I shouldn't, I shouldn't have bananas because those have sugar and like, Mm. oh, but fat is bad because at that time fat was still bad. Now it's trendy again, but fat was bad then. So I started to just massively, massively, massively cut back food. And it felt at a time in my life when everything was out of control and everything was falling apart and, you know, my family was falling apart. My like academics were really intense. I was doing all this research. I was um, kind of an over, well, definitely an overachiever. So everything just, just got, and I'd broken up with like my first ever love who broke up with me on the day my mom died. So it was all just like imploding. It was this uh, really horrible time. And it felt like controlling food was something I was really good at and being skinny. I was, I was great at, and it was like, okay, I can't, I can't navigate all this, but like, look, I can win this and this is okay. Mm-hmm. And it, it was over Christmas break. It got really bad mm. and I was restricting massively. Mm. And at the time Tumblr was really big and uh, there were a lot of pro Anna sites on Tumblr, Mm. which is why I think I'm so passionate about some of the stuff I see happening on TikTok. But the the pro-Anna communities, which are pro-anorexia, they really fueled Mm. this kind of sick space that I had I had stepped into where it was it was normal and I was accepted and I was winning. And like, Mm. look, Mm. these girls are struggling even at this and and I'm better and it's okay and I'm doing okay. And uh it, it was in January, when basically I'd, I'd gone for a scholarship, because uh, I was, again, the girl with the books, right? <laughs> so, and a couple of the professors who hadn't seen me for, you know, six weeks or whatever the holidays were, they saw me and I had just, I just lost so much weight. I was, I looked, I looked very sick, very sick. Mm. I was very sick. 
And fortunately, they stepped in and kind of pulled me aside that day and had a really honest conversation with me. And they were like, you know, you need help and we will help you. Like, we will take you to the nurse's office. We will take you to your therapy, but you need help. And my Creighton Creighton University, my university were incredible. They like just swooped in and I mean, honestly, I, I would say they probably saved my life because eating disorders are the deadliest mental illness. And for a year, they provided um, medical care. So I would see a doctor or a nurse, I had therapy, and I had a nutritionist. And they provided that all entirely free, which is, you know, as a someone dealing with everything I was dealing with, like, I couldn't mm-hmm. have afforded to, mm-hmm. to pay for any of that. So and it was because of them that I was able to, I guess, recover and recover in the way I did. Mm. Yeah, I um talking about eating disorders. I, you know, I don't, I just decided one day that I was sick of feeling sick. Mm. And it just like never, it's weird because I say it and it never came back. But it never goes away 100%. It never really, yeah. I, I wouldn't say, I don't really think of food now as the devil or as a danger for me. Mm-hmm. But when I eat, I do think, oh, will that make me feel good? Will that make me feel tired? Will that make me feel, I like, I still have a connection to like how food will make me feel. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wonder, like, do you truly love and accept your body or because Mm. of everything you've been through, just like I've been through too, Roxy's been Mm. through too. Will there always be a little bird on your shoulder? That's like, ah, you're not good enough. You're not skinny enough. You've got too much cellulite that you have to fight daily. Mm. Or now you just happy Mm. with who you are. Mm. Oh gosh. I wish it was, you know, Oh yes. Thousand percent. (laughs) Always happy with who I am, but, but I'm not like, I think, I think being a woman, right? Whether you've had an eating disorder or not, it is it is a constant battle every morning when you wake up and you look in that mirror and it mm-hmm. is, what is my relationship with my body today? What is my relationship with my personality, with who I am? Like, how do I feel about this today? And I think, you know, even like yesterday, it's funny you ask, yesterday I had a, I would say it's like a wobbly day where mm-hmm. I wasn't feeling great in my skin. And I saw my cellulite. And instead of being like, heck yes, I was like, Ooh, Hmm. Is that okay? You know? Mm -hmm. And I think what I've learned is that it's okay. If I don't, I don't love myself every day, but I can respect myself and I can honor it. And I can ignore any thought that creeps in and is like this, this, this cellulite or this body change means you're a failure. Like this means you are bad. I'm like, no, it, it doesn't. It means I'm a creature living in a body that changes and this body lets me move and this body makes me feel good and it makes me feel strong. Mm-hmm. So instead of kind of self-love, I think I'm really focusing on and, and thankful for like self-respect, mm-hmm. like respecting what I can do instead of just hoping that every day it's, it's sunshine and rainbows. Mm-hmm. You know what's interesting though? It, I feel like it never, like there's always sort of that that voice, you know, that, that is in the back of the head that that's always there. And, um, you know, definitely different days are different, you know, so some days Mm -hmm. are better than others. And some days I'm better at like kind of telling it to, 
to fuck off. And then other days, you know, it's like a louder, louder voice. Mm -hmm. But I'm one and I'm thankful that I'm at least able to kind of navigate those some of those days, you know, pretty okay. Um, But for a lot of other people, it's not that easy. You know, Mm -hmm. it's like, it's, it's a real, real, real struggle. And I just wonder, like, what, what would you say to those people that kind of feel so Mm -hmm. trapped in that cycle, you know, in that sort of mental cycle of just tearing themselves down and like, you know, hearing that voice a little too loud. Yeah, it's, I think you're right. It is, it can be a real struggle and Mm -hmm. it can be a cycle as well. Right. Because Mm -hmm. once you're in that space and you think, well, my body isn't good enough. So I feel bad. But if I, if I fix my body, I'll feel better. If I fix my body, I will find that love of my life. I'll get that perfect job. If I fix my body, everything will be okay. And so you try and maybe you restrict really strongly and then you binge because that is the body wants balance. The body needs food or, you know, maybe you are doing other disordered things with food and it becomes this real guilt cycle. And so you feel worse, mm-hmm. but you're like, okay, but, but if I fix my body, it'll be better. And so it's, it's mm-hmm. a really dangerous and place to get into and a very hard one to get out of. I would say if you, if you can, I would a thousand percent recommend therapy. I know it's not accessible for everyone, but if that's an option, like that is one of the greatest Mm -hmm. things we can do for ourselves. Mm -hmm. There's no shame in it. There's only power in, Mm -hmm. in the same way you would go to a personal trainer. If you want to get fitter, Mm -hmm. you know, you, why wouldn't we go to a brain doctor just to have a chat? Mm -hmm. So I'd say therapy really helps. Mm -hmm. Um, for me, sport really helps as well. Mm -hmm. Like a sport that has nothing to do with shrinking or changing my body, Mm -hmm. but instead just makes me feel good. Mm -hmm. So if I'm having a a wobbly day, maybe I'll go and I'll lift some weights, you know, and Mm -hmm. I like these little, these little puppies are never going to be ginormous, (laughs) but but, but I'm sat there with my like three kg dumbbell and I'm like, yes, I'm a powerhouse. (laughs) The gym bros. I'm like, look at these muscles, (laughs) you know, and it, it, it makes me feel really good. And then I'd also really recommend like take some time and journal or meditate. And I, I was always someone, I was like, well, meditating is foo-foo. Journaling is a waste of my time. Like this is just, I, I don't have time for that. Mm-hmm. But we will never be happy with what's going on with our bodies until mm-hmm. we tune into like, what is really going on? Like, mm-hmm. is there something in our life? Is it, is it about our body or is it about like, I'm worried no one will love me mm-hmm. or I feel really trapped right now and I don't know what to do, but this seems like something I can control. So maybe that's why I'm obsessing about it. Like, mm-hmm. It's often when we deal with our bodies, like I've spoken to so many psychologists and stuff just as a, a journalist and what they say again and again is like when we start obsessing with our bodies, mm. it's often to do with our external environment, what's happening in our life. Mm. And it can be hard to figure that out. So if we just take some time and like write those thoughts down, write a letter to ourselves, like mm. it can help us tune into this so that we can deal with all of this. Mm-hmm. I totally believe that the first step is awareness. And if you don't have awareness, then you can never change. You know, if you can't see the thought that's coming in and go, oh, that's a negative thought. That's a black and white thinking. That's good. You know, catastrophic thinking, then, um, then you can never change. I think bodies really, our mentality surrounding bodies gets really terrible when you're a woman, I feel when you're a woman after you've given birth, Mm -hmm. um, because 
it's almost like your body's taken such a massive beating. And there's a few reasons why I think it, 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 it your mentality around it gets, it is terrible. Sorry. It's late here. Um, <laughs> one is because you, we don't talk about it. I think women postpartum don't talk about the fact that your body will never look the same. Mm -hmm. I don't care if you completely bounce back, either your vagina or your stomach or or your scar, there'll be something different about it. Mm -hmm. Number two, we don't ever have the time to get our bodies back. Mm -hmm. Um, Not bodies back, but like strengthen Mm -hmm. our bodies. We don't ever have the time um, to do that because we have a newborn. It's not our, we've now become a body that we don't recognize overnight. And I think women who are in postpartum and have had kids, I think it's really difficult for them, you know, and I feel really sorry for women like, you know, Roxy and I who've just had babies um, because it's, it's like you, you want your body back. You do, you want your old body back and you feel so ashamed Mm -hmm. and vulnerable to say it out loud. But I know I do. Mm -hmm. I miss my, I was so horrible um, to my old body. And now I'm like, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I should have been much, <laughs> much nicer, nicer to you um, because I do, I want to back. And it's, it's hard to even say that out loud. Well, you know, what's also so hard is that the images that we see, because, okay, we, we pay attention to pop culture. We watch movie mm-hmm. TV, you know, everything that we see. And the, re- the, the reality is not the same as the perception. I mean, when you see an actress in Hollywood, a lot of the time they go mm-hmm. and have a baby and then six weeks later, mm-hmm. they're back to size double zero. And that just is not the reality. That is not what happens. But I think as long as we still keep being fed images like that and, mm-hmm. and seeing things like that, we're always going to feel like that. We're always going to feel like we're ashamed or, you know, we should yeah. be looking this way six weeks after having a baby mm-hmm. or this. And that. Well, I, I think it's, very powerful to hear you guys talk about that experience. I mean, I've, I personally haven't had children yet. It's something I would like mm-hmm. one day, but I, I can imagine, like, I think for many women, mm-hmm. it's a very difficult time, a very, very difficult time. And I do think also it's a time where you have to be careful with disordered eating or those mm-hmm. thoughts because your body's changing. There's a really incredible um, kind of self-love activist I follow on Instagram. Her handle's The Bird's Papaya. Her name's yeah, Sarah. She's on, she was she's on our show. She's been on our show before. Oh, we oh love okay. Her. Sarah. Oh, yeah. She, she's great. Yeah, she's, she's wonderful. And mm. I, as someone who hopes to have children one day, it's mm. been very empowering to watch her journey through. She's just mm. given birth. Mm-hmm. And to watch how she talks about her body and how she talks about, like, here's my body after birth. You don't see this. Usually you only see the big, you know, beautiful glowing bump. And then you see everyone super toned and tight again, Mm -hmm. but here's what my body, like here, you still have a bump after birth, Mm -hmm. which is like, again, something like my, one of my friends here gave birth and she spoke about her like post post birth bump. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know that. Right. I was like, Mm -hmm. wait, as a, as a 30 year old woman, I had no idea that your body stayed, it, Mm-hmm. I just thought you give the baby and then it goes right back. And, go- <laughs> and you're in diapers, by the way, for the first six weeks. Who? No one tells you about the diapers. No. And you wear your maternity jeans for at least like four months oh, after you. Are you joking? At least I'm still in my maternity jeans, Roxy. She's two. Oh, see, see, I I love hearing women talk about these things uh-huh. because it's it's like I. I know it's different, but it's kind of like periods, right? Like mm-hmm. periods. There's so much shame and taboo around yeah, I talk it. I about them we... all the time. Mm-hmm. Good, good. Because uh-huh. so many women, we grow up ignorant. 
mm-hmm. grow up ignorant. We don't understand what's going on. We are told it's shameful. And I feel like that conversation happens a lot around post-pregnancy as well, mm-hmm. right? It's like, I, I mean, I, you would be the one equipped to, to speak about the shame and the difficulties, but I know I'm just thankful to hear people talking about it. Mm-hmm. My second baby, I felt completely different because I, I had, I've been through the first one, but the first one was like a truck had gone through my entire <laughs> life. And I make it like my mission to try and you don't want to give people advice when they're first pregnant because they're like, they have no idea that they're about to go into a shit storm. <laughs> but you want to like lightly say things like give yourself grace. And mm-hmm. if your body changes, just know that it's okay and take care of yourself as well because, you know, you were born too. You're born as you're been, you have just been born a mother. Mm-hmm. You know, you try to say those things, but um, I was just completely shell-shocked. I went to the hospital. I think I told you this, Roxy, mm-hmm. with lingerie in my bag. <laughs> I got my hair done. I got my I vagina like- waxed because I was like, that has to look pretty. Like, who cares? Jesus, you're having a baby. Um, wanted that to look real pretty. Um, I had my toes done. I had my fingers done. I was like ready for those beautiful pictures yeah. oh, of like yes. pushing the baby out and then glowing with my lashes and like, oh my God, newborn baby. I was in a diaper. I had like, looked like my blood had all burst in my face. I was all puffy like a puffer fish from all the drugs. It was like the most and you're constipated. You're constipated. Oh, I'm constipated. I have this whole double chin. I like still look at the picture now and I'm like thinking, could my husband not have gotten a better picture of me? But then I was like, he probably couldn't have gotten a better picture of me. Um, and I just am like shell shocked that that is not what we see. Even the home births, you see like this baby popping out and the mother's like head is up and she looks like a little wet and she's crying and it still oh, looks God. very beautiful. You know, it doesn't look like it really is. <laughs> right. oh, <okay. laughs> just so you know, tonight. Yeah. I know, I know. I'm like, <laughs> all right. But the diapers are good, you know, yeah. I'm like. Pack some diapers, pack. Like, they give you these gauze underwear. <laughs> now I'm starting to see on social media and a pad that is literally the size of your entire body. You're like, uh, what is that for? <laughs> and then you say you don't talk about periods. You bleed for six weeks yeah, straight. Yeah. No one tells you that. No one tells you. Six no weeks one tells of you. bleeding? You're even just with, like, how does Even with what? C-sections. Even with C-sections. C-sections, you bleed yep. for six weeks. Yep. So after see, that, is- after you bleed for six weeks, periods are like... <laughs> Yeah, that's like child's play now. Yeah. That's like a little also, cut on the finger. When like your because I I've been watching this with Sarah and my friend had it too. When like your your ducks get clogged, oh, like and then yeah. so your nipples oh, get clogged. Oh. Like I didn't know they could clog. How can oh, they clog? Yeah. You know? Oh yeah, they're so it's painful. Like, oh and you gosh. think like I, I remember saying to my husband, I'm not touching my boob like while we're doing this. I remember telling him, like, I think I have tumors in my breast because they're just all of a sudden they're hard just full lumps all yeah. over your breast and i'm like do you think i just overnight got all these tumors <laughs> like, no and then you have to massage the milk they get stuck that has to come out it's very painful very painful yeah it's not all fun and games but yay for kids yeah. but yay for getting pregnant <laughs> you know i thought it was really interesting what you said about periods too because team and i were hmm. actually talking about periods not too long ago and it's like there's still such a taboo about talking about a woman's menstrual cycle and I'm like when is this conversation going to change why are we made to feel dirty because we have periods you know oh god well exactly and it's something 
I feel pretty strongly about talking about because Mm -hmm. especially in the disordered eating, eating disorder, athletic space, so many girls and women lose their periods, you know, Mm -hmm. over exercising, under eating, under fueling your body. And I, as someone who I did, I didn't have a period for years, first because of my eating disorder, then because of sport, and then because I was on a certain type of of hormonal birth control. Mm. And now like my period is so regular Mm -hmm. that this little app tells me it's like today you're probably, you know, today you're probably ovulating. You can probably feel it. And then it's like today, you know, your period starts. And I, I'm like, I know I can tell what's going on in my body because I have started to really tune in. I've used technology to help me understand and learn. And it is the most empowering thing, but also it's kind of, I know this is a little hippy dippy, but it like makes me feel connected to, to something outside of myself, to something that like ties together so many people all around the world. And I'm like, this is, there's power in this. Like, why don't we learn about this? Why don't we understand it? It's, it's incredible. It's not shameful. It's not embarrassing. Just because it's not masculine doesn't mean it should be hidden. Mm -hmm. Right. That's exactly a good point. I feel like that, that is a lot of the argument, you know, because it's not like, maybe something that men go through. So it's, it's kind of like unknown, you know, a little bit and it's, it's dirty and it's all the things. Don't you think Tamman? Yeah. It's interesting because with Phoenix, like I'm on yeah. my period right now. <laughs> Good conversation. <Dex. laughs> yeah. um, I, I you remember maybe later when I was a little older, I don't actually ever remember my mom having her period. Obviously she did. Mm-hmm. Um, Phoenix walks in all the time. My oldest daughter, she's like, what's going on? I'm like, I have my period. And like, you know, there's blood and this is what happens. And she's like, Oh, okay. Like in the beginning she was like, ah, does it hurt? And I'm like, no, it doesn't hurt. Mm-hmm. And so now hopefully when she gets her period, it's not going to be, you know, when I got my period, I was so, I felt so ashamed. I hid it for a, the longest time. I remember I cried. I was so afraid that it had can't had come. And I think by having the conversation with our girls younger mm-hmm. um, and her knowing now that, oh, every month my mom is kind of a bitch. <laughs> and then <gets> her <laughs> Don't be near mom for three days. Um, everyone leaves the house. No, but now she'll understand that it's not something that you should be ashamed of. And I just I, it, it's all these things that we're talking about. Just when you really think about it and you meditate on it, it's insane that women who are born to bleed every month it's still a thing to like not tell the CVS person who's like picking oh, up yeah. the DoorDash person. Like you feel so embarrassed that he's picking up pads for you. I mean, like I, when you meditate on, I just think that these, even that we're having these conversations are just wild and crazy. Like who cares, right? Who cares that we have a period? Who cares that we bleed? Like what's the big old deal? Who cares that we have cellulite? Like what's, who cares that we have wrinkles and we're getting older? Like, fuck, there's so many things in the world that we should be paying attention to and should be fighting over. This is not one of them. Right. But I think this is why, like, if you think about anything, really, Mm -hmm. anything that a woman could do, whether it's your work life, how you dress, what you do with your body, how you present yourself, whether you have children, like literally any decision. And there is going to be shame attached to it somewhere. Mm -hmm. And it's it's horrible. And it's it's like. I don't know. I think for me, that's why it is so important, especially on my page and on my platform. Like, I don't care if people pose or not, if they don't show their cellulite or not. Like, if they prefer to, you know, rock their six pack abs, that's okay. But because I feel like 
there is a whole institution that is designed to make women feel ashamed of every single thing they do or they do not do. And like, as, as women, it is our jobs to really fight against that. And honestly, I, I believe in just like supporting each other because all of this madness that is often, Oh, it frustrates me. It drives me crazy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I don't think my husband and his friends have that same ingrained sense of shame that we do, you know, like I don't hear him looking at himself in the mirror being like, oh, yeah. you know, like, they're always like, I look so hot. I'm yeah. like, how do you guys always think you look hot? Always. <laughs> like literally, I'm like, but no, you just ate that burrito. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like I'm trying to make him feel bad. And I'm like, wait, I shouldn't do that. Yeah, I shouldn't do that. <laughs> but it's true. It's like men do not have that same programming. And I guess, I guess it just does go back to, you know, right from the beginning, like talking to these, you know, the kids and like really supporting like what you're saying tonight too, like supporting women in general and not mm -hmm. tearing each other down. Cause that's what my next point was going to be mm -hmm. is like, you know, mm -hmm. I, I have this 50, 50, right. Where I'm like, yes, I want to be for myself. I want to be self-love. I want to love all the bits and the bobs and the wrinkles and the cellulite. And I want to tell my audience to love it too, because I do believe that. Right. But then there's 50% of me that also you know, wants to maybe get Botox one day. I don't know. Never done it before. Maybe um, might want to get a cream that makes me feel better about my legs. Maybe I do want to get a tummy tuck one day because of the, the big babies I had. I don't know. And then I think to myself, well, is that wrong? Because I'm also wanting to be more about self-love or can they coexist where it's like, you know what, you can still get a breast lift if it makes you feel better and still have self-love, you know, can it coexist? Yeah. It's a, I mean, it's a great topic and I think it's a very, it's a very complex one, mm -hmm. but for me, for me personally, 1000% they can coexist. Mm -hmm. I think, I think of it like makeup, right? Like sometimes, sometimes I will get people who slide into my DMs and are like, okay, but you, you talk about self-love, but I see you're wearing makeup. And I'm like, but that for me is not, Makeup makes me feel confident. It makes me feel strong. I do not need it. I don't need it all the time. But if I choose to wear it, that's mm -hmm. incredible too. Like it mm -hmm. is, it is my decision and it is for me. And I feel like that, that is how I approach any of these things. Like the things you were just talking about, like if, if it is that individual's decision and if, you know, she is a grown adult, I feel it's very different. If you are a 12 year old little girl and you were like, mm -hmm okay, now I need my boobs done. Like mm -hmm. that's, that's a really different, different conversation mm -hmm. in a very delicate space. But if you're a grown adult and you're like, maybe you're a mom, like you're saying, and you decide, okay, I want my, my tatas have changed mm -hmm. and I would feel better to have them, you know, boop. Mm -hmm. that's who am I to, to sit there and shame you and point fingers at you and say, well, you exist in a culture where so much of a female's worth is based around her body, but how dare you internalize that culture? But also if you don't do anything, you've let yourself go. So that's shameful too. Like, no, no, mm -hmm. I believe empowerment looks and feels different on every woman. And as a grown adult, for me, feminism is really about the freedom to choose and having the education to understand and really look at your choices. Mm -hmm. That's a great way to put it. That's a great. Sorry, way. I went on like a little. I feel no, so I yeah, it's all about choice, right? <laughs> yeah, it's all because... like no, but it's so that's such a good way to put it. It's like you should have the choice, and you should be able to do what makes you feel better. And 
being confident, whatever makes you feel confident, that's, Mm -hmm. you're going to actually put that out into the world. So Mm -hmm. be that person, you know, like that. And you're going to help so many more people by doing that. Right. Then does that, what we were just talking about, like, yes, Mm -hmm. we can just say, if you want to get your boobs done. Right. Right. But then what about if you are taking a picture and you want to face tune your stomach in and then you're putting that message out, but it makes you feel better. Maybe that's a different way to look at it because then maybe you're making other people feel like that's the reality. I don't know. I don't know. Like is, is surgery and filters the same thing? Oh, yes. Oh, I mean, you're faking, again, you're so, putting fake boobs on, you're lifting your nah, fake, you know what I mean? It's a, it's a hard it's, one. It's, it's all a hard conversation yeah. to have. Oh, and it's, and it's complex. And I do think every person has to reach their own conclusions about it. I think my mm-hmm. concern with filters, mm-hmm. which I do use, I use sometimes, sometimes I don't like today I did a picture where it's just, I even had like eye boogers, you know, but, <laughs> yeah. but, but, but like sometimes sexy, I, yeah, yeah, I know I, I put it up and I was just, I was just like, all right, it's well, the new fine. thing. Just, all of a sudden now everyone's got eye boogers. Yeah. Eye boogers. Yeah. Started a trend. <laughs> Started a trend. trend. <laughs> the Danae Mercer trend. Eye boogers yeah. is my legacy. <laughs> but I, I think my, my main concern with filters isn't how dare you put that out into the world. You are shameful. It's, are you sure you feel okay when those filters go off? Because I think even as someone who is a content creator and I like am on screen quite a lot, sometimes if I use filters again and again and again, if I switch it off and you're suddenly like, Oh, Oh, wait a second. Like, Ooh. And at the end of the day, we still, we still need to feel okay and comfortable with what we see in the mirror, with what we're living with. And sometimes with, with apps, with things like Facetune, Maybe you can distort your body to such an extent that like you can't even recreate that in real life. And so Mm -hmm. how do you mentally navigate that? And are you sure that's the best decision for you? Interesting. I agree. Interesting. Yeah. And you're putting it out there. I mean, once it's out there, it's out there, right? So if you're not being Mm -hmm. true, you know, that's out there. It's interesting because yes, I feel like the more filters, I don't ever use the filters that change my face, but those filters Mm. where it's like makes it a little sparkly or it makes your skin a little like more fresh. Mm. But then I look in the mirror and I'm like, oh my God, your skin is a disaster. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Like, geez, I really need to get a facial. But no, it does. Like if that's doing that to me and I'm not using the face altering apps, then what does it do to young girls who are so impressionable and their mm. brains have not fully matured until they're, I think, at least 25. Um, their frontal lobe isn't fully developed. Um, they, you know, it can definitely go down the road of even suicidal thoughts mm-hmm. because of the way you don't look. So, yeah, I'm I'm worried about <clears throat> I'm excited for the generation that's coming up, like our daughters. And mm-hmm. I'm also nervous um, because I think they have a lot to navigate when it comes to that. But I also think that they've been given a lot more space to be themselves. And mm-hmm. I'm mm-hmm. so excited that the conversation now is about, you know, gender and race equality and, you know, being who you want to be and acceptance and self-love and what you're doing because you have your account. I think that that also makes me feel like the world is a better place 
for my daughters to grow in now. So I thank you so much for your account and what you have done, because again, because of you, because of Sarah from Birds Papaya, Mm -hmm. you know, those are the accounts that I follow. I, I unfollowed all the accounts that made me feel like (laughs) shit, not because they were trying to make me feel like shit, but they did. Um, and I'm not saying, you know, you're a beautiful, beautiful woman. Um, but you're also very honest and real and raw. And for people like Roxy and I, we go, Oh, this is, this is a safe place. So we Mm -hmm. thank you so much for that. Yeah. Thank you. Well, well, thank you. I'm really, that means a lot. And I have just such a soft spot for moms because I think it's very nuanced and difficult and, real soft spot for young girls growing up today I think it's very harder than anything I would have grown up with so that means a lot to hear you say that thank you and You're where so- can people find you um you've got lots uh, I, I, you've got a podcast right <laughs> yes. as well tell us where they can find yes. you Sure. Yeah. Well, I have a podcast called Talking Out Loud, and I usually talk to experts like therapists, psychologists. I've had a couple of relationship experts recently talk about mm. sex, which is very powerful. We need them Ooh. on here. Roxy, Roxy. Yeah. <laughs> them oh, it's great. It's so interesting. It's like, because again, we don't talk about it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I love that. So I've got a podcast called Talking Out Loud. And then my Instagram is just Danae Mercer with an E after the Dana, Dana E, Danae Mercer. And yeah, that's probably the best way to find me. And I guess you're going to stay in the Middle East for a while? Uh, Stay tuned. Oh, we might have an exclusive right here, everyone. And don't forget to rate, subscribe, and comment. And we are Women on Top Official on Instagram. And Women on Top Podcast on Facebook. And I am Tamin Sursock. And I am Roxy Manning. And we are Women, Women on Top.